I'm actually the youngest of five girls. We'd all have hand-me-down horses. She would finish with one or outgrow it and it would get handed to the next sister and the next sister. So I would always end up with whichever one the sisters didn't want. It was a toss-up if you would like the horse you got or not, but it's kind of like, here you go, this is your horse now. So it's either take the horse or don't have a horse. Welcome to another episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nicole Osherman, co-founder of Foxy G. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me. If someone hasn't heard of Foxy G, what's the deal with Foxy G? So the Foxy G Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit horse and cat rescue. We're based in Union Bridge, Maryland. Is there a type of horse you guys specialize on? We actually specialize in thoroughbreds. And a lot of that comes from my sister, Laurie Calhoun, and her husband, Jerry. They actually started Summer Wind Farm over 30 years ago. which is where Foxy G is based. And it was a commercial thoroughbred racing farm when they started. Still is. Part of the farm is still that working commercial racing farm. She kind of brought me into that whole love for the thoroughbred. And she has rehomed thoroughbreds ever since the farm started. So this goes way back when. But Foxy G itself has been in existence for five years coming on six. You were creating racehorses and then taking care of them after they were retired? Correct. So it was a little bit of a combination. So most of it was, you know, they would have thoroughbred racehorses on the farm. They would come in for a layup. They did breeding, foaling, training, a little bit of all of that as far as the industry goes. And then after the horses would retire for her specific clients, she would rehome them. And that could be as a trail horse, riding horse, show horse, depending on what the horse could do. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. She would get calls from people she didn't even know then. So each year it increased a little bit more. Hey, I hear you rehome thoroughbreds. Even when thoroughbreds really weren't the cool thing, they kind of comes in waves. Like there for a while in the show world, it was all about warm blood. So thoroughbreds are kind of making a comeback now. You see it a lot just kind of across the board in all different type of show disciplines. And the need just got more and more. And we just saw this huge void of what was needed for these horses to get into a good either transition home or new career or sanctuary program. Is there just a, people are not thinking of what to do with a horse after it's done its race job or are people making more horses than they had ideas of what to do with them after the fact? It was a little bit of a combination. When thoroughbreds are bred for racing, obviously that's the intent. Aftercare programs really were not at the forefront for a very long time. They definitely now are getting more into the spotlight, which is great, and that's across the country. A lot of different tracks are implementing aftercare programs. Maryland actually has Beyond the Wire, which is the program for horses that are running in Maryland, stabled in Maryland, just to try and give them that transition, get into a rescue, get evaluated, see if they can get into a new home or a new career, or again, a sanctuary environment, depending. A lot of it was these horses were being bred to be racehorses, and then what happens next? There weren't a lot of resources out there to be able to provide, because a thoroughbred isn't your typical horse. They've got to have time to let down. They have to be evaluated for if they do have injuries. They may need rehabilitation, and that's all stuff you would have to have experience with and knowing. And they are typically a breed that's a little bit more what we call up, more high energy, and how they're transitioned is important to make sure they get a good start in a new career as well. I think you were saying when we were riding that like a racehorse, when you tug, that means go faster if you're a race, but every other horse, it's like stop, right? Exactly. So people that aren't used to riding thoroughbreds, that's kind of one of the biggest obstacles to get used to when you start riding them is the harder you pull on their mouth or on the reins, they actually will go faster. So a thoroughbred right off the track is not going to stop, typically, with that. I mean, some will. (laughs) 
<laughs> but typically that's the signal to go when you're first transitioning them into a new career as a show horse and kind of getting them out of that racehorse mentality that's one of the things we really work with and with that we try to be light on the mouth really use our legs more to try and kind of signal and talk to the horse and communicate more instead of using the reins and really what we call taking a hold of them which is more pressure on the mouth with the bit so how did you get interested in horses was it just the your sister's farm or do you have another interest in them i'm actually the youngest of five girls okay um yeah <laughs> So, and my sister, Laurie, she's the oldest of us. So essentially she kind of started it. So we will blame her for the horse bug that she started in our family. And she just fell in love with thoroughbreds right off the bat. She actually used to gallop at the track. She used to break horses. I mean, she's a phenomenal rider. Phenomenal. She you know, she's done some of the fox hunting and showing and, you know, a little bit of everything. And we'd all have hand-me-down horses. So she would finish with one or outgrow it, and it would get handed to the next sister and the next sister. So I would always end up with whichever one the sisters didn't want. So... Yeah. <laughs> Which it was kind of, you know, it was a toss-up if you would like the horse you got or not. But it's kind of like, here you go, this is your horse now. So it's either take the horse or don't have a horse. So <laughs> typically we just took whatever we had. But she was really the one that started it with the thoroughbreds. To this day, her and I are the most involved still. We have some other sisters that help out with the rescue in other ways. My sister Kathy helps with the cat aspect. My sister Jennifer does a lot with our event planning. Our sister Mindy does some with the events and kind of just community awareness. We all have a little dabble in it, but Laurie and I are definitely the most strongly focused on the horses especially the thoroughbreds is that your favorite kind of horse to ride now it is it is like i think you either love it or you don't people <laughs> always kind of say that once you ride a thoroughbred i mean for me even getting on other horses you know, it's fine. Yeah, sure. I'll ride other horses. I actually had a Palomino quarter horse for a very long time, actually, until he was 33. Just recently, I lost him. And he was a track pony. So I guess in some regards, he still is tied into the thoroughbred <laughs> world. So maybe that's why him and I click so well. But yeah, it's just how athletic they are. And they just are so talented and smart. And I think that does go across the board for a lot of horses. People don't realize that. I mean, they each have their own personality. And, you know, you kind of figure it out. We kind of nickname them based on how they are and how they react to us. And, you know, some of them are like grouchy old men and, you know, some are like bossy women, you know, <laughs> you know, but they just they react and the way they respond to us, especially our guys that we don't get right off the track that we pull from kill pens. Those typically have the biggest transition and make the biggest comebacks and just have so much heart to fight and just to kind of give you their all. And it's really incredible just to see it and feel it and just be involved with it. If a horse does not find a home, it's, it's not that great, right? It can go very bad very quickly, unfortunately, especially if someone doesn't have the resources, whether that's someone to help them home a horse mm -hmm. or financially they aren't able to. Some of these horses end up at auction. And typically, if they end up in an auction, the probability that they are bought by a dealer or a killer buyer are very high, especially a thoroughbred or an injured thoroughbred, especially, because if they aren't ridden through the ring in an auction, their chances of finding a great home as a riding horse are slim to none at that point. And it gets pretty dire for them. There absolutely are horses that come out of off the track or retire and the owners and the trainers step up for them and do everything in their power to protect that horse and get mm -hmm. them in a good spot. Absolutely. So it, there is both sides of it. We hear a lot that people are very down on the racing industry and sure, there's bad aspects of it, just like with anything. But there's also some really good people out there that will do everything they possibly can to make sure that horse gets in a good spot and is safe and protected. Horses that aren't looked after, 
sure, they can get in a real bad spot really fast, especially if they are bought by a kill buyer. So horses that are bought by kill buyers are either shipped to Canada or Mexico for slaughter. And it's actually for human consumption. Even though it is no longer legal in the United States and there's no slaughterhouses for horses in the United States, it is legal to ship them across into other countries. It's mm. over 100,000 horses are shipped annually. And that's not just thoroughbreds. That's mm. all breeds. So it's just not the thoroughbreds that are in danger at that point. Once they get in the slaughter pipeline, it's not always easy to get them out. So typically what we do is really try and get involved even prior to them getting to that point. And that's where these aftercare programs like Beyond the Wire are coming into effect mm -hmm. and being proactive. So if an owner or trainer has a horse that can't run anymore, maybe just doesn't want to be a racehorse, maybe it has an injury, but that's where they can then apply to the program to get their horse evaluated by one of the vets at the track. And then they reach out to rescues that are then accredited to be able to take these horses. And some are in our sanctuary program, so we will take some that go into sanctuary. And then the others we evaluate and try and get adopted into new homes. Is being proactive like one of the big lessons you guys have learned over the last six years? Absolutely. It's huge. And we really have seen a lot more people in the racing industry stepping up to correct the issue. And I think some of it was just not knowing. You know, a lot of people out there really don't know about it. They don't know about this aspect of the horse industry in general, and that's just not thoroughbreds and not just racing. That's, again, across the board. I mean, your beloved pony that you've had for 20 years who you took to auction because you couldn't keep it, oh, it's a great horse, it'll find a good home. Unfortunately, that's not always the case, and a lot of people just don't realize it. I mean, I've lost track of how many conversations I've had with people that are like, well, if I can't you know, find a home for them, I'll just send them to auction. And once they're educated on exactly what can happen, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't. You know, I would never take my horse to auction now knowing this. So a lot of it is our community outreach and our education portion that we really try and make people aware, like, this is absolutely what happens and this absolutely can happen to your horse if in the wrong hands. That's also why all of our horses are protected with a contract. Any horse that we adopt out through Foxy G can never be resold, never transferred, never given away. If the horse can't be kept at any point in its life, it's actually returned to us. That's just to safeguard them. And we are not comfortable with them being resold at any point. It probably wouldn't be that person. But it's the second and third owner down the line that they could get in a bad spot, end up in the wrong place, end up in an auction. So for us, for our program, for our horses, that's our best safeguard on them is just to make sure they have to be returned to us. And, and they do come back sometimes. And maybe it's just not a good fit. Maybe the person had a financial or life-changing situation. And we understand stuff happens. I mean, our ideal goal is to find forever homes for these horses. But if that can't happen, we would rather them come back to us and that we are able then to rehome them at that point. When you guys were starting Foxy G, were there any resources you needed to, or did you guys just have a background with having the horse farm already? So that's why we based it at a summer wind farm mm -hmm. because it's 125 acres. We already had a smaller portion at that point that we went ahead and dedicated to the foundation. So having that farm as a base for us kind of allowed us to go ahead and get it started. So mm -hmm. it's not like we had to go out and find the property and find a farm and the acreage. We already had it at our disposal. We were able to take a small portion of that and now it's it's expanded to something much larger. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know? Then when we started, we currently have about 86 horses in our program, whereas our first six months, I think we had about 20. So now we're up to about 86. 48 of those horses are in our sanctuary program. So they live with us permanently. We have three areas of our horse program, mm -hmm. and that is our rehabilitation, our adoption, and our sanctuary program. Any horse that comes into us, obviously our goal is let's find them a home, get them their very own person. You know, they can have their own spot. If that can't happen, 
then we have to look at, okay, now they probably need to go into our sanctuary program. And that can be different reasons. It could be temperament, could be age, injury. So those are typically the three big ones that they end up in our sanctuary program for. Mm -hmm. Right now, just recently, actually, we have actually partnered with Baltimore County, and they are using some of our sanctuary horses for their equine-assisted programs, which is awesome because it gives these guys a chance to have a job and do something, and they don't need to be ridden. So our kids, and we call them our kids, so (laughs) our kids that are super sweet and love attention and just for one reason or another can't be ridden, they are a perfect fit for this program. Right now, Saratoga War Horse is using them, and then it looks like now even dementia patients are going to be brought in at some point, so that's kind of in the works too. So it's a really awesome program. It's a great way for these guys to have something to do too. With 80-plus horses, do you guys need a lot of volunteers? We are always in need of volunteers, absolutely. And we welcome, you know, all experience levels. If someone doesn't have a lot of experience around horses, we have something for you to do. (laughs) We have watering and haying and raking and stalls to clean, and we don't mind showing you how to do that. (laughs) We will put you to work if you come out. That is not a problem. So yeah, volunteers are really important to our organization right now. And, you know, we're always looking for new ways to do fundraising and events and community outreach, you know, just to kind of keep putting the word out there that, hey, we're here. This is what we're doing. These are the needs in the community, even for other horses. If we can't take certain horses in, we network them for people. You know, mm-hmm. we'll do what we call courtesy posts on our social media on our websites to hopefully try and find those horses' homes as well. You told me the Flyboy, the horse I rode, mm-hmm. actually was one of the flag horses at J Bar W Ranch. He had carried the flag in various opening ceremonies, yeah. all at different locations, actually. So we actually took him as an owner give up. They weren't able to keep him. Fortunately, instead of having him run through an auction and possibly get bought by a dealer, they went ahead and donated him to Foxy G. As you saw, he's an amazing horse. Just absolutely incredible. So sweet. And, you know, he's got a ton of mileage on him. He's so laid back about anything. Nothing really phases that horse at all. He let me get on the back of him. And was not even even a little bit worried about it. It almost seemed like he fell asleep when you guys were giving my final advice. He did. Yes, he took a little nap. But you, were, yeah, there towards the end, he was napping. So he was like, yeah, it's a great sunny day. He probably felt that breeze. You know, he was like, I'm going to just take a little nap here while they finish. And he is available for adoption. Do you guys do different pages for each of the horses? or? So typically what we have on our, which our website's going through a bit of a revamp now. So we do have some of the horses on there, but we're continually adding them and updating that. And then we also have an album on Facebook for all oh, of cool. our adoptable horses. We also have Twitter and Instagram, so we kind of promote them everywhere we oh, can. Oh, cool. So also on the other side of this, cats. Yes. Don't want to miss out on that. So Horses and cats. I know people are like, that's an odd combination. We don't think so, but some people do. <laughs> Where do cats come into all of this? So cats, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna have to give this one to my sister, Laurie. I do love cats, but she is absolutely the avid cat lover of the group. So when we started Foxy G, she's like, well, you know, we can't forget about the cats because there's feral and semi-ferals out there that don't get a lot of attention. And with the farm, you know, we've always had barn cats, obviously. Mm-hmm. So she, again, way before Foxy G ever started, she has managed feral colonies in Frederick and Carroll County. She had probably a handful there for a while. As the word got out, oh, there's a group of ferals. We need help. It's called TNR. So it's trap, neuter, release. So if it's a safe area for a cat to be and live as a community, what they're already used to, what we'll do in is go go in, trap, get them their vet work, get them neutered or spayed, and then re-released into that spot. And then they're actually cared for daily by volunteers and by different cat 
caretakers that we oh. have that will come in. So the colonies are actually managed every day. Oh, so that's amazing. someone goes out and checks the cats and feeds and waters and they have uh, their own little community. They have their own little houses and everything. They're like, what, two lines when someone joins in for volunteers? Like, this is the cat line, this is the horse line. <laughs> that's pretty much what we do. We're like, do you want cats or horses? Are you down the middle? Yeah. So that, that's kind of how we do it. And we do have people that are like, I only want to deal with the cats. I only want to deal with the horses. I'm here for cats. I'm exactly. here for cats alone. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if you go on our volunteer checklist, it's like cats or horses. Which one do you want? So oh, and it's like awesome. a list of tasks for each one. That's pretty good. For a second, I was worried. It's like, well, you start with the cats and you work with the horses. <laughs> but nah, you got some it's cat It's a gradual people. progression of things. No. <laughs> Actually, yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny to see because typically when we get contacted, I want to volunteer, but I only want to do this. But I only want this animal. I only want this one. So there typically always is some overlap where people are like, I don't care. I'll do both. I love both. But yeah, right now we care for about 102 cats. Whoa. Yeah. We have a weekly pet feature and we always stress this bay and neuter, but it's like mm-hmm. summer in particular, you just have giant explosions in the cat population. Right. And kitten season, we know it. Once it starts, we get constant messages. Can you take kittens? Can you do this? Can you help us foster? Can you help us adopt them out? And we actually also work with Friends for Life, who is based in Frederick. So they're cat rescue. And typically the cats that we are able to pull from the colonies are that are owner give ups that are adoptable. They actually help us adopt them out through their program. We try and work with other rescues, not only just the other horse rescues, but the cat rescues as well, just to kind of, you know, see how we can team up together. And unfortunately, there's a bit of a pattern every single year, probably about four or five times a year, we get cats left in front of the farm. So, yeah, it'll be early morning. We're like, oh, great. There's another crate. (laughs) So, yeah, so those guys luckily are usually adoptable. Mm -hmm. So that's when we get their vet work and get them, you know, to good health. And then they get to find their own indoor home. Do cats and horses get along or is this more of a toleration thing? No, they do, actually. Like, (laughs) we have pictures of the cats on the fence post and the horses nuzzling them. So it really does happen. You know, typically the cats will kind of stay clear. But we do have Boo Kitty, who is totally a volunteer favorite at the farm. And (laughs) Boo Kitty every once in a while likes to ride. So (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. We have some pictures of Boo Kitty riding our horses that are tolerated. So it's pretty funny. But, yes, and each barn has its own little set of cats. So it's almost like that set of cats doesn't go to the other barn. You know, because we have three barns on the, we have three horse barns and then one main cat barn on the farm that is actually, again, a sanctuary setting for some of our guys that can't stay in their colonies. And they've got like an indoor-outdoor area and we had some awesome volunteers actually build a whole structure inside the barn for them. Next time you come out, you're going to have to go visit the cat. We call it the kitty condo. Yeah, I have to check out this kitty condo. (laughs) You have to see the kitty condo when you come to see Flyboy. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Other than cats and horses, I saw a pig out there. Yes, Petunia. How did Petunia end up? So we kind of are working a little bit on a uh, petting zoo because we recently just pulled a donkey from a kill pen. That is our first donkey pull. There just saying. Now we've got a donkey. So, yeah. So in 30 days, come out and see uh, Sonny. Sonny the donkey. Because oh, cool. he's going to be out of quarantine. <laughs> Petunia wandered onto the farm one day. And we were like, what is that? You know, going across the fields. And the horses were kind of freaking out about it. It was a potbelly pig. And we're like, where did this pig come from? <laughs> so we're calling the neighbors. And they're like, no, I don't know. We saw it too. Like, we don't know. For some reason, who knows? It was probably a long day. And we're like, let's call it Petunia the pig. You know, okay, sure. So Petunia was the name. And this pig would just wander back and forth. Well, we started feeding him granola bars and grapes. And yes, I said him. Petunia <laughs> is actually a boy we found. <laughs> but we like the name so much so we just kept it. Yeah. So it's Petunia the male pig. But anyway. He owns it. He doesn't mind. He yeah. doesn't mind one bit. So we just left it. It's stuck. But we started feeding Petunia and he actually, he figured out the schedule for the horses feeding. Each morning when he knows we're feeding the barns, he comes 
comes in and waits for grain. Like, we'll give him a little bit of grain, and he'll follow us around oinking. And then he'll go up to the other barn <laughs> and wait for his little snack. And he knows how to slide the barn doors now. So if you're ever in the barn and you start hearing a door slide, you're like, oh, I didn't know anybody else was here. Well, here comes Petunia oinking into the barn and waiting for a snack. And he does. Like, he gets a little angry if he doesn't get fed. So he will, like, start kind of, like, walking in front of you and cutting you off if you're like trying to get to the horses to feed oh my goodness. and it's like okay petunia no problem like actually that happened to me this morning i heard petunia and i didn't feed him fast enough so he was not happy like swishing his tail walking through the barn <laughs> oinking at me people come to the farm just to see petunia on occasion like oh, we literally had a girl scout troop and they were like okay before we see any horses can we please see petunia like people would come out to see the pig a horse rescue with a pig mascot you got it and I'm- soon to be a donkey too a donkey and a pig. <laughs> Were you being sarcastic about a petting zoo, or is that just like you guys are getting random animals? Yeah, it just, it's kind of happened that way. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not really trying to get ourselves a petting zoo, but it just kind of seems like, you know, like every once in a while, the neighbor's cows come to visit. And I started hashtagging everything with, everyone loves Foxy G. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves to come to Foxy G. And even, like, the pig has its own following. If I don't post stuff enough, people are like, where's the pig? What happened to Petunia? You have not posted Petunia on Instagram for, like, a week. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm sorry. He he, she is here. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's it's definitely not anything that we've planned. Yeah. It's definitely just kind of happened that way. And just as we kind of see a need for an animal that kind of needs a spot, you know, they kind of end up living at Foxy G. That's got to be fun for awareness, though, if you have a fan club for some of the bonus animals. It's a lot of fun. And the fact that people really enjoy it. And it's... It, does become fun for us. My sister Laurie was doing How to Tame Petunia, part one, part two, part three, because the pig was terrified of everybody. We couldn't even get him in the barn for a long time. So she had these little clips on how she's taming Petunia with trails of grapes into the barn, and he fell in love with one of our horses. He fell in love with Wilbur, who you met. Yeah. He loved Wilbur. So the only way we could get him in the barn is he would follow Wilbur and sleep in Wilbur's stall. And Wilbur got sick of it. Wilbur's like, okay, this is a pig. Why is he in my space? So (laughs) we had to get Petunia out. (laughs) But it got Petunia used to being in the barn, which was awesome. Well, that's got to be a fun, like how social media has changed and grown over the years. That's got to be an advantage for trying to create awareness for especially a particular horse or particular uh, animal that you guys are trying to help out. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, social media, above all else, has really, especially with the hashtagging on Instagram, Mm -hmm. I mean, we can reach such a larger group of people to see what we're doing. And it helps us because we can see what other horse rescues and cat rescues are doing across the country and across the world. I mean, I've reached out to rescues in Florida, and we now have a connection in North Carolina with a group of volunteers and rescue groups that do a lot of kill pen pools down Mm -hmm. there in the South. And so it's just kind of really allowed us to create a network of people that all have the same goals. You know, we're all in it for the same reason. Mm -hmm. And we just want to help the animals. Okay, I have these resources. What do you have? Okay, do you know a shipper that's coming up to Maryland? Okay, no, I have one down in the south. Do you have somebody coming this way? So it just really all allows us just to work together so much more effectively. I mean, we've had other rescues reach out to us. Hey, do you have this horse? We have somebody looking for him. And we actually have had, just recently, I had a breeder in California reach out to us because she saw the name of a horse they bred on our website. Oh, really? And said, do you have this mare? And I said, yes, we do. And they were like, you know, thank goodness we lost track of her and couldn't find her because once they're out of racing, it's really easy just for them just to go under the radar. And, you know, if they're racing, then you can find their registered name. And if Mm -hmm. they have works or races, you know, that's pretty easy to follow. But once they're out of that and retired, it's like a needle in a haystack at that point. That kind of stuff really, if not for social media and for our website, they would have never known we had that horse and that she was safe. 
I should have asked, how long is the average like horse racing career? How long do they end up racing? So it can be a pretty wide range. I mean, some race for a year, some race to their 10 or 11. On average, once they hit about 10, that's it. You know, typically that's definite retirement age. If they've stayed in the game that long, at that point, once they're nine or 10 years old, people start looking at, okay, what's going to be the retirement plan at this point? We kind of call them our war horses. They're like the soldiers with the heart. And we've had quite a few that have come in and retired at 10 that have made over a million dollars in their racing career. And now they just need a soft spot to land. And those guys typically, we rehome them if we can. A lot of those guys that have been racing that long, some convert well Mm -hmm. over into kind of just a trail horse or show horse career some don't because it's kind of like you know what i did my job i'm done you know and they just are much happier being out in a field with other horses having buddies and just being a horse we try and evaluate very closely each horse so we don't assume that there's nothing really wrong with this horse we can just go ahead and adopt them and put them in our program we really try and do what's best for the horse and if we feel like the horse isn't responding well to that and being in our adoption program then we definitely go ahead and seriously look at putting them over into our sanctuary program and horses can make it into the 30s, right? They can. Your average thoroughbred is usually like 20s. They'll be retired for about half of their life. Right. Typically, if they've raced for that long. Now, we've had two-year-olds come into us. You oh, know, really? That okay. Just... Maybe they had an injury just starting up their racing career. Maybe they just don't want to be a racehorse. Mm-hmm. And typically, most trainers, if they see that that horse just is not really performing, isn't really giving it their all, maybe that's, even though they've been bred for that, it's just not their thing. So a lot of them then will reach out and say, hey, you know, could you rehome this horse? Has no injuries. And that's the nice thing with a thoroughbred with no injuries that really hasn't done a lot of racing. First off, it's easier to convert them over to a show discipline. Mm-hmm. And secondly, People love thoroughbreds because they're so athletic. So they can do dressage. They can do hunter jumpers. They can do eventing, cross country, just be a trail horse even. That gives us even more flexibility with what that horse can go on to do when they come to us without any injury and limitation. Is trail riding cool? Yeah, it's fun. It's just (laughs) so relaxing. I mean, for us especially, we'll hack out around the farm and kind of ride around there. And it's just, it's no pressure. You know, just to kind of relax and meander around. And it's, for us, we call it therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's our horse therapy. It's just to kind of be able to walk around on the farm and, you know, do a little trotting, maybe a little cantering. But just, you know, to kind of go around, it's so peaceful. And especially when you have these beautiful days and the spring and the fall. And we can just kind of relax and and ride around. A lot of people adopt our horses as trail horses. And they'll trailer out to different parks and, you know, different places where you can just basically just go out and ride. What's the farthest of Foxy G horses gone? Two of our horses in Massachusetts. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they're in Massachusetts. So typically we don't require they stay in Maryland. Mm -hmm. A lot of them just do because of proximity. Anyone that's looking to adopt, we do require they come out to the farm, meet us, meet the horse. Mm -hmm. So it's not a deal where, oh, I want to adopt this horse. Let me send in an application and okay, we'll check your references and you're done. We do want you to come out and meet the horse because maybe the personalities don't match. Maybe once you ride the horse, you're like, oh, yeah, this isn't the horse for me. You know, depending on what kind of rider you are and, and the type of horse it is and what kind of ride of the horse needs. So we do have that as a requirement. And again, our ultimate goal is to make a good match and make sure it's a good fit because we really want that forever home for that horse. Is there anything in particular about horses you think would surprise people? Definite misconception is that thoroughbreds are crazy. Because we hear it all the time. A lot of times if I'm talking to people and they're like, oh, what kind of horses do you have? We have thoroughbreds. Oh my gosh, they're crazy. What do you do with them? We ride them. And they're like, wait, you mean you ride like x horses? Yes, we do. Well, Like, what can they go on to do? So I think that is absolutely the biggest misconception is that thoroughbreds are crazy and they're Mm hot-headed. I mean, do you have some? 
Sure you do. Just like with any breed. But on average, they make lovely horses. My seven-year-old son has ridden Wilbur. I put him on a thoroughbred. I'm like mama bear, so you know I wouldn't... (laughs) I wouldn't put my child on a horse that I didn't feel 100% safe that would take care of my child. And thoroughbreds, really, they're just, they're so smart. They're so athletic. And, you know, what they can go on to do, just making amazing, you know, amazing member of your family is really what they do. They, they become a member of your family. And I love seeing that so many of our adopters, they follow us on our social channels. They tag their horse. They're so proud oh, of them. They're cool. like their kids. They're like, my kid got reserve champion today, you know, <laughs> and we love it. We love it. We love sharing those stories of what these is going to do because a lot of people have followed the story of Dominic, who was one of our kill pen pools and actually got pulled with a hole in his forehead that was about three inches deep. His feet were a mess. He was extremely underweight and he was only four years old. Oh my goodness. So he had a lot stacked against him and he just rebounded amazingly. And a lot of that was thanks to who now is his owner, Stephanie. She saw him on our page and she's like, I need to come help this horse rehab. She drove an hour and a half every weekend to just spend time with him during his rehab and would bring him treats and toys and make him stuff. And I mean, she would even make him homemade treats, you know, for him (laughs) to come out, which was so sweet. But she was there every step of the way with him. And now they are showing and jumping and winning ribbons. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's just, it's really cool to see what these horses can do when given the chance. Do horses actually like carrots? They do. Okay. They love carrots. Our thoroughbreds love mints. Now, apples are another one because people bring apples to the farm. Thoroughbreds typically don't know what to do with apples. Even like little pieces. They're like, I don't even know what this is. Some of them will, but for the most part, our biggest things are the carrots and the mints and like some of the like peppermint treats or, you know, like the little treats and stuff. Some of them will really go for that. That's typically what they go for every time. I've been to Equines of the Vines. I had a a chance to check that out last year, hang out with Wilbur and see some of the other stuff going on. What are some of the other events you guys do? Is that the big one? Our two biggest ones actually are Equines and the Vines in the spring. And then we have what we call Halloween, which is our Halloween party. So that's that's in the fall. So this year it's actually going to be November 4th. You know what? People can come out and, you know, sport that Halloween costume again after the 31st. And it's going to be at Linganore Wine Cellars. The winery events are a lot of fun because we have it. And Linganore is awesome about working with us. And if the weather's nice, we actually take one of our horses, typically Wilbur. Yeah. uh, We might swap it up for halloween Who knows? Flyboy may be there. If he's still with us, if someone doesn't snatch him up. Those are our two big events. And then we actually have a $10,000 raffle. So that's our big raffle for the year. And we actually draw that at halloween Those tickets are only $20 a ticket. We sell those. We're actually already selling them. Those are on sale throughout the year. So those are our three kind of big fundraiser events. Gotcha. Um, Equines and the Vines, halloween and then our $10,000 raffle draw. Tons of different ways to help horses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And if anybody just wants to come out and help around the farm, that's that's always key, too. Well, thank you so much for telling me about Foxy G. Horses. I feel like I'm learning a lot. I end <laughs> every interview with the exact same question. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? I am really excited, one, to make people more aware of what awesome horses thoroughbreds can be and what a wonderful addition to their family and just to see how many more horses we can help. This year, we're well on track to adopt out over 40 horses into new homes. And we're just really excited to kind of see how we can grow this in ways that really get the word out there about what these horses can do and just to see the success that they have in their new homes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it.